Welcome to tonight's episode of the Fallen Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with my co-host, the real Grant Williams. How's it hanging tonight, bud? Man, it's Nico time. I can't complain, brother. How you doing? Man, if I was any better, I'd need a twin. Yeah, I know. This is our first uh, post-Christmas episode. Was Santa Claus good to you, man? Dude, the fat man was phenomenal. There we go. There we go. He, he's kind of like, you know, all these women say, I can't find a good man. Well, you know what? The best man has a little marbling on him. How about that? There you go, man. There you go. <laughs> I think Santa gave us all the best gift today if you're part of All Nation, man. Getting to see what this team is going to be like next year. I just, man, I'm excited for what Monday is going to bring. Buddy, he, he definitely uh, satisfied a lot of people. Um, it's crazy too, because when we recorded earlier this week, we weren't thinking we were going to have this conversation yet. Here we are. But you know, Wednesday night and we're sitting here and we're talking about Nico Iamaliava taking the reins of this Tennessee volunteers offense and saying, Hey, this is my team. Now, you know, we have now entered the Nico Iamaliava era on Rocky top. And this is something I think that, should be here to stay for at least the next two two seasons after this. You know, who knows what comes after that? He could say, Nico, I'm going to leave you for, uh, for the NFL draft. You know, <laughs> who knows what he's going to do right there. But I'm, ex- man, I'm just excited to see what Monday is going to bring. Hey, if he's good enough to do it, let him go. That's what that's because that means we've had two great years. Yeah, well, that's that is true. Tennessee's had two great seasons. If you get that, but it all starts on Monday. And you know, one thing I do want to say to Vol Nation, real quick, right here before we start diving into this, don't overreact to what you see on Monday. If you wanted to see Nico all year, I'm one of those right there. If he comes out and he just freaking balls and he says, "I'm the guy now," guess what? Just be excited for next year. That's all you can do. Now, if it's bad, oh gosh, it's going to be a long summer. So please just don't overreact. Either which way you see, he's still a young kid at the end of the day, and he's going to play a lot of good football in Knoxville. I like that. That was one thing I wanted to touch on later on, too. Don't overreact. Don't say, you know, oh, he, he's awful, blah, 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 because we got, we got two, and if he's awful, three more years of him. He's got time to develop, and our and I believe our coaching staff has bought that much time to develop a guy. Uh, well, you know, I agree with you right there, and I think that Josh Heupel can and will develop into develop Nico into what he needs to be for the Volunteers. At the end of the day, and this was one of the big things during Nico's recruiting process. But everybody said, if you're Josh Heupel and you could build a quarterback for your system, Nico Iamaliava is the guy that you want right there. So this he's going to be fine. Even if he comes out and he throws three picks and he fumbles the ball twice and everything is just a nightmare and you lose by 20 to Iowa, which should not happen, and I don't think anybody expects that to happen but if that does happen, he's young. And one thing that Heupel does say about Nico all the time, too, he does not make the same mistakes twice in practice. So he, he's going to learn from whatever you see. And at the end of the day, he is a freshman. You're going to have freshman mistakes that come up. 
Well, I'll tell you what, right now, he throws three interceptions and fumbles twice. I'm going to put us both on the spot right here. I will kiss your bare hind end on Facebook Live if he does that. <laughs> oh, man. I, that's not consensual right there, I don't think, man. That, that's, that's, we're going to get kicked off Facebook on that. <laughs> no, it's definitely not consensual. I don't want to do it. So, Nico, hold on to the ball. And, well, hold on to the ball, but what I do want to see out of this, and I was listening to the radio earlier today, and Eric Ainge did make this point. If he does go out there and he turns over the ball, he gets that coaching on the sideline where he's able to say, okay, this is what I did wrong right here. This is what I need to do to improve on the situation. Then he learns from it. Because if he really doesn't make the same mistakes twice – what what do you got right there? You know, you got a great quarterback who's going to learn from all that. I'll go ahead and say it. If that's the case, you've got the next Peyton Manning. Well in an in an up tempo offense, nonetheless. Well, if you do that, man, you've got well, you got Hendon Hooker right there if you have that. True, true. Peyton may not uh, that might that might show our age gap just a little bit. I got five years on you, Grant. You do. It's not a lot, but it's 10 more rings on the tree. You know what I'm saying? 10 more rings on the tree. There you go. Yeah, man, you know, I think that this is going to be good right here, though, to be able to get a preview of what that football team is going to be next season. At the end of the day, bowl games have changed how college football – well, college football has changed how bowl games are. Let me me put it that way. A lot of guys are opting out because guys are not getting drafted anymore if they go get those injuries in the bowl game – Example, Jake Butt, he was projected to be a higher pick, and then he fell all the way down to my Broncos, who just love making horrible decisions, which that's not a not for this episode tonight. But you get a chance to see what your team's going to be the next year because of the transfer portal. A lot of guys are saying, no, I'm going to go find another home. Then you get these freshmen who are coming in, and all these guys are opting out, so the freshmen get to play. This is perfect right here for what you're going to have, and you're seeing – what this team is going to be for next season. I'm just, I'm so excited for that part of it alone. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? One thing I'm going to say, I agree with what you said as far as college football changing and this, that, and the other. I don't, I think the NIL has changed that though, because we, you know, we've got guys saying, Hey, we're going to go here because we can get more money. Not necessarily because, they're not going to get drafted. Well, you're, you're games, not wrong. The bowl games still matter if you're a, you know, six and six team, seven and five team, or even a five and seven team. Look at Minnesota yesterday. They they were a five and seven team. They beat a Bowling Green team that was six and six. It meant I mean, something to those kids. Right, right. Depending on which side of that you're on. You're like, you know, whether I'm five or five and seven or seven and five, I want to go out here and win this game. Though it seems like those mid-tier teams, they take these mid-tier bowl games a little bit more seriously than these guys that are, you know, say they're in the New Year's Six or they're, you know, just a step under it. They're like, you know what? I don't want to get hurt because I've got ever so many million dollars waiting on me next year. And I get that. That's not a bad thing. But this all started happening 
a few years back when Christian McCaffrey was like, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not going out there. I don't wanna get hurt. I don't wanna ruin my NFL career. And here we are. Well, you know, the the guys are opting out because Jake Butt tore his ACL, was going to be a high pick in the draft, and then fell to the Broncos in day two, I want to say is when it was. Maybe it was early day three. But he had that injury, and nobody wanted to take a chance on him after that, and he lost out on millions of dollars right there. I don't blame the kids who are playing for an NFL future to go out there and say, hey, I've got to put as much game tape out there as I need. But if you're a guy like a Jalen Wright, you have no reason to go out there and play in this game because, A, you're not playing for a championship. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. Sure, a Citrus Bowl championship, that's nice to get the T-shirt and be able to have the hat that you wore on stage getting the trophy. But what does that really do for you? It does nothing for you. It doesn't help you. It doesn't get you to your end goal. Then the next point I'm going to make on this too, if you've got enough game tape out there, don't even worry with it. You don't even need to go step on the field. If you've got enough tape out there and you are going to be drafted, if the game is meaningless, sit your ass at the house and watch your team play or go stand on the sideline and go be a cheerleader. But there's no reason to go out there and risk millions of dollars. Well, look no further than the Orange Bowl last year. Tilly, Hyatt, neither one of them stepped on the field last year. Still got drafted pretty high for wide receivers. Wide receivers, let's face it, in the draft, a dime a dozen. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the position the kids want to start playing now. You know, if you're not a quarterback, you want to be a wide receiver. And Right. Those kids, I mean, there's a lot of them on a team. That's one of the largest rooms you've got on the team right there. So you can get a lot of them. And if you're Jalen Hyatt and you're like, hey, I've already had A, B, and C as my stats, I don't need to go back out there. And I don't I don't blame them for it, you know? No, no. Now, what, what's concerning for me when it comes to this, a guy like Joe Milton, I think he needed more game tape. He probably could have benefited from it. I think he had a lot to lose if he goes out there and he just poops his pants against this Iowa defense, which is great, and you don't have two of the guys who were your main running backs all year. You, you're looking at it, you're like, uh, this doesn't really help me. The whole game's going to be on my shoulders. So maybe that's why he opted out, or maybe Mr. Josh Heupel told him, hey, Nico gives us the best chance to win the game based off of a skill set. And I'm going to roll with Nico. Come be a cheerleader. It, it's it's one or the other or both. And I think it's a little bit of both. Well, I, I do as well. I, I think that it has to have a little bit to do with all that just for the simple fact of it's been trending for a while that Joe Milton was going to play in this game. And then all of a sudden, this just gets dropped on us today. I remember I was scrolling on Instagram while I was at work and saw the screenshot. I mean, I sent you that screenshot. It was like 50 yep. seconds after it had been posted right there. And I'm like, wow, there's there's some validity to what we started hearing yesterday. And it's exciting, man. I'm ready to see what uh, what Nico can do in this system. Absolutely. And, I mean, it was a, it was a great – it was an awesomely no, noted, you know, farewell from Joe. I'll read it. I mean, uh, first, I want to thank God for blessing me with the talent and ability to play this game we love so much. 
throughout my years here at Tennessee, I've learned a lot. Becoming a man was the best part. Every day came down to giving my all for Tennessee, grinding, grinding day in, day out with my brothers. Was OD lit. I love y'all boys. Maine, Maine. I'll always <laughs> have y'all boys back no matter what, and I look forward to supporting y'all all week here in Orlando. To all my coaches, thanks for helping me become a better player every day. And to Coach Hype, Coach Hasley, and Coach Mitch, thank you for helping me become an even better man. Respect. Playing inside Club Needland was amazing. The energy, the noise, and especially running through the tee, I'm going to miss it all. Playing in the NFL has always been my dream since I was four years old. Now it's time to turn those dreams into reality as I begin preparing for the 2024 NFL Draft. Thanks, Ball Nation, for everything. JoJo out. Man, it, so with Joe Milton, and I've been a critic of his since he first stepped on the field at Tennessee. Let's take all that out of there. Joe Milton was the perfect teammate. He yes. befriended, best friended the guy who took his job from him and used Hendon as somebody who he could learn a lot from. And then he's taken Nico underneath his wing as well and said, no, I'm going to be here for you. Like Hendon was here for me. And then you take the, you take the stuff off the field, on the field, out of the equation. One, one of just the best solid dudes to wear the orange and white. Yes. I, I, well, you know yourself, man. I talk to his mama a lot and I've told her before Joe Joe is a phenomenal human being. She's done a phenomenal job raising him. On the field, off the field, whatever. Dude is a phenomenal human being, and like you said, a great teammate. You don't find you don't find him anymore better than JoJo. That's, no, that's what we all call him. <laughs> you really don't, man. Not especially in the way that college football is today where everything is NIL, transfer portal, you're doing all that. Sure, Joe was a guy who came out of the portal and he chose to come to Tennessee. But when things got tough, he said, no, I'm going to fasten up the chin strap. I'm going to get to work even more. So that way I don't get passed up again later down the line where he could have easily said to hell with it and hit the portal again and found another place to go play that he could have been playing at for the past two years. Absolutely, because... I mean, there's teams in the SEC that would have loved to have had him. Oh, I, I him. disagree. Yeah. And we had him as our backup for at least for a year and a half. Yeah. It, you know, it's just crazy to think about that, man. You know, and one thing I do want to ask you on this, and we'll stop talking about Joe Milton after this, but how are you going to remember Joe Milton's time at Tennessee? Give me the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, just how are you going to remember mm -hmm. him? The good, the way he went out against Vandy. I mean, it, it was his last game. That's how I want to say, hey, that that's Joe. That that's Joe for me. And and the Orange Bowl. Gotta gotta throw that in there. Joe played a phenomenal game in the Orange Bowl. That's why there was so much hype going into this season. Um <clears throat> the bad those those early okay. We talked about this the other day. First impressions are hard to get over. Those first couple of games, 
in the COVID season where he was, I mean, consistently overthrowing guys by 15, 20 yards. It was hard to get past that. That's my ugly right there on Joe. <clears throat> the ugly? And I don't ne- and, and I don't necessarily put the ugly on him. But because because I feel like I've made this known, the ugly comes in that Alabama game this year, where he come out, dude. He looked like a world beater in that first in that first half. Absolutely looked phenomenal. Then he comes out in the second half, and he and he looks yeah, very pedestrian. I don't necessarily put that on him. I put that on the coaching staff playing safe, conservative, saying, hey, we have a defense good enough to win this game. Uh, Newsflash, y'all didn't have a defense good enough to win that game. No, I I agree with you. You know, I mean, man, when it comes to Joe Milton, um, how I'm really going to remember Joe is, I mean, it's going to kind of be everything you touched on right there. I'm going to say, you know, the teammate, the guy who wore the jersey, not the player himself, is what I'm going to focus on is, like, the really good stuff. And then there were times, too, that Orange Bowl, that game against Vanderbilt, the game against Virginia. Joe looked like he was just a world beater. And then there's other things he did where you're left scratching your head, kind of like overthrowing the guys early on against Pittsburgh in that, what, 21 season right there. Uh the first game of the season as well, which is just escaping my memory right now as to who the volunteers played um, in the first game of the Josh Heupel era. Bowling Green. Bowling Green, that's right. They played that one in uh, Neyland, and I was not able to be there. I was still living in Memphis back then, and it was on Ironically, that's the COVID year. I had COVID watching that game. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. You, man, that, you know, it's just crazy that, you know, what Joe turned into, and like I said, he could have hit the portal. He chose not to. He wanted to stick around and be a part of what's going on in Knoxville. And to that, Joe, we salute you, man. We're glad that we got to have you. We were blessed to have the guy who wore the jersey on the team representing the University of Tennessee. So thank you for all you did, Joe. Absolutely, man. Like, it was one of my favorite. It was just awesome. He he was a good teammate, good dude, all that. But uh, that being said, let's let's look forward to Monday, man. Man, let's look forward to Monday. It's a preview of next year, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So I am ready for that one right there. Ain't it? Um, so I want to touch on one thing. As you know, I do like to gamble. Do you? Uh, I would have never guessed that. Surely not. Uh, the spread, since we did our bowl show the other night, has gone from the Vols, depending on what platform you use, it was 8.5 to 7.5. Now, um, it's a consensus 6.5 across the board. Well, you know what that is right there. That is having a young freshman quarterback to go into this game where he's never had a start before. That's what that comes down to right there. Absolutely. Um, the over-under, though, has only shifted where the spread shifted by two. The over-under has shifted by a point. So that that's interesting. 
the money line, however, uh, the Vols were around, depending on where you look at, of course, uh, between 425 to 250, to, to, to about, about 275. It's now dropped to 250, and the Hawkeyes are plus 202 on the money line. Ooh. That, that's a big jump, buddy. That is, you know, man, since you're you're a gambler and you live in Gatlinburg right there, I'm going to start calling you the Gatlinburg gambler, and I want you to build me a parlay on this right here, kind of with everything you just talked about. All right, I got you one. Um, I'm going to take the over-under is at 35.5. I'm taking the over, sticking, actually doubling down on the bold predictions that we done the other night, regardless of who's playing, we're doubling down on it. Give me the over of uh, 35 and a half. I still say the balls cover cover it on their own almost. Um, I'm going to take Tennessee minus three and a half for the first half spread. I'm going to take the over as a, uh, uh, first half, or actually, actually, I'm sorry, over 17 and a half as the total for the Vols. Okay. Well, the away team being Iowa, 13 and a half, give me the over. I don't see any way as bad as the defense has played at times this year. We don't give up at least 14. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, the Iowa offense is anemic and just abysmal, kind of like what we talked about the other night. So I agree with you right there. I mean, I don't think the Vols are going to have an issue with this game still, even with having a freshman underneath center. And actually, let me back that up just a second. Okay. The over 17 and a half is the first half over. First half over right there. Three I mean, balls. You think that, though, I mean, I would expect both teams to at least score one touchdown in the first half. Volunteers or Iowa can kick a field goal, so you get it right there. I mean, I see it happening. Over 17 and a half, first first half total. Uh, The home team being the Vols, 20 and a half, give me the over on that. And uh, as far as total goes, also – Give me the balls to cover six and a half on the spread for the whole game. A ten dollar par- parlay will win you eighty three dollars and thirty cents. If you want to bet fifty, you're going to hit four sixteen fifty two if that hits. And I've been on a pretty hot streak lately. Man, Give me that. that that's our Gatlinburg gambler right there, man. That's going to be your name, and I hope it sticks since it kind of just came up off the fly right there. But, <laughs> man, I, I hope that I hope you I hope you make some money right there and give our listeners some money to be able to take and take a part in as well. I won't lie, I kind of feel like uh Del Doback right now. You know, we like the <laughs> riverboat gamble. We eat big There you, go. There you go. The door open. You know, like that's just how we roll. There you go, man. I haven't <laughs> thought about that movie in a minute right there. But, man, you know, I, I like your picks right there, dude. I, I think that that's something that we can work with right there. And so we'll have to tweet those out later tonight so you guys can follow along with it. But take it wherever you do your shopping at. Whatever whatever sportsbook is your favorite, jump on that parlay right there. 
brought to you by our very own Gatlinburg Gambler. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna ride down the Pigeon River on that one, the Little Pigeon River. Um, Riverboat right there on the Pigeon the River. Riverboat gambling, baby. So that being said, Grant, what do you kind of expect out of the Iowa defense, man? Well, this Iowa defense is going to take away the run game from a lot of teams. You know, that that's one reason why I think Joe Milton probably decided, hey, I don't really want to play in this game. Or Josh Heupel said, I really don't want Joe to play in this game because with Joe, you have to run the ball. That's what you do with Joe. And sure, the volunteers underneath Josh Heupel have ran the ball extremely well in all three seasons that he's been on Rocky Top. But you need to have more of a passing threat right there. So I think you're going to see the run game not be exactly where you want it to be, but pulling up some stats that the Hawkeyes do have on the season. And this is per NCAA.com, so legit stats. But they've got the Hawkeyes ranked as the fifth-best defense in the country. They have only allowed 3,500 yards all season long with an average play of – 3.99 yards per play. So right at four yards per play, which is tough, Um, especially that they don't give up the deep plays is what I'm trying to say right here. You know, you're going to have to play this game a lot differently than how you've played all year to be able to walk out of there with a win. But if there's one thing we know about Josh Heupel and him being the head man in Knoxville, He's going to roll with whatever it takes, and he's going to do it. And if he's got to throw the whole playbook at them, he's going to throw the whole playbook at them Hawkeyes. Buddy, he, there's one thing about him since year one to now. We're coming to town. We're coming to town to leave with the dub, not a moral victory. So I've got I've got some stats myself, though, man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Iowa has faced – Two top 60, 6 0 offenses a season. Oh, that's because Big Ten offenses suck. There you go. Uh, for comparison, Tennessee has faced six. Uh, Iowa gave up in those two games statistically. Utah State blew my mind too. Uh, 14 points, total offense 329. They give up uh, 213 passing and rushing yards, 116. 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, <clears throat> Penn State, the other top 60 offense they faced, uh, Penn State scored 31. Total offense, 397. Passing yards, 182. Rushing yards, 215. Three, 3.8 yards per carry. We are ranked 16th nationally. In offense. Ooh, man. That the Tennessee offense is going to be the best offense the Hawkeyes have seen all year. That's no secret to anybody. But now you're losing two of your running backs. You're losing your starting quarterback to go do whatever he's going to go do to get ready for the draft. It makes me wonder, is that number going to go up or is it going to go down? You know, these are Heifel's guys at this point. So, you're going to see right. what he's been building on in this program. And I think, you know, I, I think that it's not going to be much of a drop-off. I think that the volunteers are what they are at this point this year. I mean, it's the last game of the season, but you're getting to see something fresh and new and exciting. And that 
makes it a little bit more uh, enticing to watch. Well, it's kind of like one of those blowout games this year. Kind of like, well, UConn, for example. It's one of those games where you're like, okay, we we know we're going to win. I'm not saying we know we're going to win against Iowa. Iowa's a solid football team. But you're excited about watching the guy watching the newer guys play because you get a look at next year. Well, absolutely. That's what bowl games have turned into at this point. It's a preview of next season. And that's what's got me so excited because we do truly get to see what the volunteers are going to have next year. And it's a late Christmas gift for us, man, but it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and I, I think, like I said, I don't think the volunteers offense is going to have too much trouble. I think that they're going to be able to stop the run pretty well against the balls, but Nico can throw the ball. And I think that they're going to trust Nico a tad bit more than they trusted Joe to kind of sit back there. Because at the end of the day, if you lose this game, it doesn't really matter. And if you win the game, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, so national ranking of the offenses that Iowa has faced in the 2023 regular season. Don't have the teams just one through 12. One through 13, excuse me. Uh, 27th, 87th, 80th, 62nd, 128, 71st, 125th, 76th, 124th, 123rd, 62nd, 117th, and 70th. Like I said earlier, we're 16th. So... I'm always a big proprietor of <clears throat> numbers don't lie. Big believer in numbers don't lie. I feel like numbers do lie in this case. Well, I, I see what you're saying right there. So Iowa's defense is really, really good. Everybody knows that if you've paid one bit of attention to football this season, you know that Iowa does have a really good defense. But – They've played a lot of really bad offenses, kind of like what you've said. And it's been the conference they've played in this year, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Those are the only teams that have a pulse in the Big Ten. And Iowa, you know, let up 31 on Penn State. Now, that was not a game where you're like, okay, that's not Iowa. Everybody knew that was not Iowa when you watched that football game right there. But I think – you're still going to see um, them do what they did. Uh, you know, they're going to be able to stop the run. They're not allowing teams to score a lot of points on them. And now you throw a freshman quarterback into this equation right here, and it's his first game right there. It it could get ugly, but it could still be what we want it to be. Well, you know, from a strategy standpoint, I don't necessarily see a lot changing for their defense. I'm still going to sit back and I'm going to make a freshman quarterback beat me throwing the ball and take the run game away. Well, that's what you have to do against a freshman quarterback. You say, okay, the run game is going to be what you're going to rely on right here. So, Mr. Nico, thank you for coming out here and playing football today. But we are going to take the run game away from you and you're going to have to beat us with your arm right here. 
and the receivers you've had this year, um, they've not been the best. Maybe that was just the quarterback they were playing with. We will see uh, come Monday. But they're going to take away the run game, and it's going to rely on Nico using his right arm to be able to get it out of there and to be able to see what you can do in this football game. Now, that being said, though, that begs the question to me, do we see Nico used in the run game? He's got the legs to do it. You have to. Limited time we've seen him. Yeah, you you have to use his legs in the run game. I'm going to say this. Josh Heupel has to have a mobile quarterback in the system that he runs. You look at what made Hendon Hooker so special was that he had the ability to be able to use his legs and get out of the pocket whenever it started to collapse. Then whenever Joe Milton was not used in the run game very much, what happened with the offense? It it was trending downward, trending downward. Well, when they finally started letting Joe take off out of the pocket and be able to run the football, things started to change a little bit for Joe. And he got better as the season went on because he was able to do stuff like that. You have to run the football in this game with the quarterback if you have any hopes of being able to get a victory. See, that's one thing to me. I think they should have used Joe a little bit more this year running the ball because it opened the offense as a whole. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, We try to use his shoulder. Hey, it worked. Sometimes, sometimes it didn't. Um, That being said, what do you think the Vols offense is going to look like? The run game is going to be taken away, I think, until you get down towards the goal line in a situation like that. I mean, that's what you're going to have to do against an Iowa defense is be able to get touchdowns on the board. And you're not going to be able to throw the ball in the goal line situation too easily. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of the pass plays. And I'm not going to say that they're going to open the playbook back to what it was with Hendon Hooker by any means. But I think you're going to see a lot more of that because you have a quarterback who skill set is better for the offense. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see it condensed for at least a quarter with Nico. I think they're going to ease it into him or ease him into it and if we open it up quick if we open it up there's I mean there's no reason to show your hand that quick. You know what I mean? No, but you you have to go out there with your game plan and say, hey, this is what we're going to do right here. I think the first couple of drives, it's going to be very vanilla because you need to work Nico into, hey, this is your team now. And you've got to be able right. to show him that you support him. But after those butterflies are out of his stomach and he's ready to go, you just you give him the keys and you say, man, we're getting the hell out of your way. And you do your thing right there. That's what I want to see happen. Well, I mean, it's going to go like that or first play of the game. <laughs> Hype's going to say, all right, we're going to, we're, we're going to hit play action to descent, and then you're going over the top, buddy. So, it, I mean. It wouldn't know. surprise me if you see that as the first play right there. Just to get those jitters over with, because you think about this, man. If you're able to get a massive play on the first play of the game right there, Nico is going to be the most confident dude in the entire planet. And then if he plays confident, 
it, it's over with for anybody. Absolutely. Because the kid's got the swag. To see it. Well, the kid's, got, oh, kid's got the swag, man. He knows how to play football. And if he's able to get out there and be able to hit a big play, kind of like what you said, play action on DeSamp right there, and then you just go deep down the field to Squirrel or Keaton, and you get it to somebody right there. Ooh, man. Ooh, that is, if you're able to get 40 yards on the first play of the game, oh, my God. Nico's going to be walking up out of there, flexing on everybody, ready to go, man. He should, too, because that's a legit defense, man. Um, that that That's one thing, though. The other night, I meant to kind of hook – kind of uh, touch on this. SEC Big Ten, the bowl games, man. You cannot coach speed. SEC always has speed. It's always speed versus power in these games. We have plenty of it. Well, Big Ten, uh, Iowa don't. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, they don't. Tennessee is going to be one of the fastest teams in the entire country year in and year out just based off of the scheme that you run. You've got Dylan Sampson, who's just electric with the ball in his hands, and he's so fast. Squirrel's one of the fastest guys in the NCAA. You you take that right there, man. If you're able to turn this into a track meet, you're going to run away with this football game. There's no question in my mind on that. It's just can you turn it into that? Who knows? Absolutely. Well, you know, with a name like Squirrel, how can you not turn anything into a, into a track meet? Man, there's going to be a wild squirrel running loose at Camping World Stadium in Orlando on Monday, and hopefully there's a couple touchdowns to his name right there. He's going nuts, son. There we go. <laughs> but, you know, uh, to, to me, this game in particular, pace is going to matter. If we dictate the pace, it, it's not even going to be close. No, but is Iowa going to be able to dictate the pace how they want it? That's my question right. right there, and I think that they're more than capable of being able to do so. They are. They are. If they can run the ball, slow it down, muck it up, like we talked about the other night. If they can muck it up and and kind of ties into the the second point we, we hit, or the first point, really, that we hit on tonight. If they can muck it up and hit that under, we're in trouble. Well, absolutely, because Tennessee's not going to beat anybody just putting seven or ten points on the board. It's not what Josh Heupel predicates his whole team on. He is, we're going to outscore you, and you just try to keep up. Absolutely. And it's not been that way this past season. You've not had the skill set to be able to do so, but once again, Nico is going to be playing quarterback. And we're all excited now to go see Nico Iamaliava line up under center, be able to take the snaps for the orange and white, and be able to see what he can do. I just hope that he is the real deal. And we're gonna get the we're gonna get the first look to see if he is the real deal or not on Monday. But if he is, this shouldn't even be close. I think I think we'll know real quick Monday. How much trust Hype and the staff has in him? Um, also, as far as pace goes, we get DSAMP going early, whether it's in the run game, the pass game, 
whatever, we're going to know real quick what we got. Well, you will really quick in this game. You'll be able to see if Tennessee is able to control the pace with how Tennessee wants to in this game or if it's going to be Iowa dictating the pace. And if Iowa dictates the pace, I, I don't like it for the Vols. Mm-mm. No, no, absolutely not. Because if Iowa dicta- dictates, dictates, excuse me, the pace in this game, we're not scoring more than 13 or even 16. I'll say we get one touchdown and three field goals if they handle the pace. I don't disagree with you. That's what I'm thinking. It'll be right there as well. And we'll kind of have to see, man. You know, like I said, if you can dictate the pace how Tennessee wants the pace to be dictated, you have nothing to worry about in this game. But you, you haven't really been able to do it how you've wanted to this year without the run game being what you put your back on. And Iowa's going to be able to stop the run. So it comes down to can Nico facilitate the ball and get it around better than Joe could? And if he can, recipe for a victory and a nice flight back to the 865 with some more, uh, with uh, the Citrus Bowl championship right there. Almost said the Orange Bowl. That's last year. Can't, can't be living in 2022 no more, man. Hey, back to back New Year's Six Bowls. I'll take it. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're playing a bowl game on New Year's Day, you're doing something right. And the Vols did get a little bit of luck right here with this because LSU would have been the team that would have qualified for the Citrus Bowl, but then they were not contractually obligated to be able to play there. Well, contractually allowed to be able to play there because they started their season at Camping World Stadium against Florida State this season. So they couldn't start their season and end it there. So then it went down the line and just happened to be Tennessee was the next in line right there. And it it's a blessing because we, we could have ended up with a with a really crappy bowl game that's going on on a Wednesday instead of uh, New Year's Day. Could be in the uh, Music City Bowl, buddy. Hey, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't mind it just because I can walk to the stadium from home and that's not such a bad, bad trip for me, but... I don't want to play in the Music City Bowl anymore. I want to go to Florida where it's nice and warm and be able to get these kids some some uh, destination bowl game. And and you know what? That kind of tells you where we're at as a program, which is the next point I want to hit. I think this could potentially be our first time looking at what we're going to look at for the next few years under height because these are going to be his players. These are all guys he's recruited at this point. I mean, you still have a couple of guys on the team who were there under the Jeremy Pruitt regime and will be there, you know, through this next season. But these are all hypo guys at this point that he's put the work in on developing or getting them to come to Rocky Top. And you're going to see his thumbprints really start starting to be put everywhere on this team. Absolutely. That's one thing that I'm looking forward to getting a glimpse of. I mean, we're going to find out what we have to look forward to for at least the next two or three years with the Citrus Bowl. Uh, we're going to see all all his 
big time recruits hitting the hit hitting the stadium, hitting the turf. We're gonna see it, you know. I mean that that's what that's what I'm looking the most forward to, especially with Nico. Well, I he's agree. Gonna, he's gonna have all these guys back with him next year. So yeah. you you get to see what Josh Heupel has been working towards with his master plan. You know, when it comes to this game, he can say, hey, these are my guys now versus freaking Jeremy Pruitt's guys or Butch Jones guys that he had when he first got to Knoxville. You're starting to see the guys that Heupel has brought into this program, and they're going to be the ones who are contributing moving forward. So it's really exciting to see that and be able to say, hey, this is what Josh Heupel has had as his master plan all along, and it's going to be the first look of it come January 1st. So I'm excited to see it, man. I'm ready for it. And that's what the most intriguing part of the game is to me as well, outside of Nico. Absolutely. I mean, we got a ton to look forward to come Monday, man. Plain and simple. I I agree with you, man. There's going to be so much to look forward to on this. And I think we're going to do that. So, Give me one thing before we end this for tonight that you want to see the most on Monday. I want to see the playbook opened up because I, I'm not I, I'm not naive. I know that this year we've kind of seen it. I don't want to say dumbed down because it's not been dumbed down. It's just been condensed for Joe, and and that's that's good coaching. You you mold your playbook around the talent you've got. Let's well, open you, it up and see, see what Nico can do. You have to do that. That's one thing I want to see as well. But what I really want to see out of this game, your offensive line stand up and you keep that Iowa front seven from being able to get their hands on Nico and keep them from being able to stop your run game. If you get the offensive line doing that, it's a recipe for victory for the balls. And I really want to see that line do that because this is going to be a really veteran line in this game. And it's going to be the same line you see take the field next season for the volunteers. If you can get them rolling in this game, get them that confidence right there. And they say, hey, we went up against the fifth best defense in the country and we still did this, man. That confidence going into next season when you've got to take those road trips and you've got to play against Alabama and Georgia and all of them, man, that's invaluable right now. Absolutely. you uh, Like, that's my thing, is you see a lot of people like, well, this game don't mean, mean anything. Yeah, it means a lot, especially for the guys coming back next year. It means a lot for them because if they if they're coming back next year, they think something special is about to happen, and I think something special could be about could be you know coming down the pike for us. Well, there there's going to be two ways our show on Monday evening is going to go after this football game is over. With you're either a going to be very optimistic for next year, or you're going to be like man. I just don't want basketball season to end right now. (laughs) It's going to be one of those two ways. And I'm hoping it's the first instead of the latter on that. Um, Very hopeful that's what we're going to see. But it's kind of like what you said. A lot of these guys are passing up on the opportunity to go to the NFL because now they can make money playing college football. 
and they are saying, hey, there's something special going on in Knoxville right now that I need to be a part of. We're, we're going to find out just how dedicated they are to that cause come Monday. Without question, man. Without question. But, so, well, man, you got you, you got any fun New Year's plans other than watching the Vols? You doing anything on New Year's Eve? Man, New Year's Eve, I plan on working and then coming home and watching whatever bowl games are on. I don't care what they are. I'm watching them. <laughs> man, your New Year's Eve sounds like mine minus the work. I'm going to park my ass in front of the TV all day and just watch football, man. There's not a whole lot more days left of this, so going to enjoy it while I can. That, that's all we can do, buddy. Uh, it's just, it's that time of the year, man. It's it's the most wonderful time of the year for more reasons than one. You're not wrong on that, man. You're not wrong on that. Well, dude, I think we kind of covered everything we can on this. What do you think? Buddy, I, I would agree with you. I think we got uh, Monday to look forward to. There we go. Well, everybody, the game is on Monday, uh, 1 Eastern, noon Central, if you live in Central time like I do. And this game is going to be on ABC. So make sure you check in, and then the boys with Vol and Out are going to be breaking down the game after it is over with. So we will have more content out for you guys on Monday. Just make sure you like, like rate, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Absolutely. We're going to be here Monday evening. Looking forward to uh, putting it out here for the masses. There we go. And then we got some basketball starting up next week, man. So lots more content is coming y'all's way as SEC season comes up. It's about to go down, boys. Uh, That being said, like, rate, subscribe, Spotify, whatever platform it is you get your podcast from. And uh, go Vols. Go Vols. And let's end it with a happy new year. Happy new year, y'all. This will be the last time you hear us, so you'll hear our voices next year. Yeah, see you next year. Da-da.